There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Uh, I had a chance to get home and, and watch, uh, you know, their battle against Michigan State and just was so impressed with not only that game, but then, you know, you go through and watch the way the Cornhuskers are playing. You know, it jumps out to me, uh, obviously, defensively, uh, you know, they're playing at an incredibly high level. I mean, it, it's uh, it's 11 heartbeats operating as one. I know the pride they have in their black shirts, and and uh, it's it's really impressive to watch. Uh, they're rolling multiple guys in there also, but, uh, you know, you know, I just – I've been impressed with them since I've gotten in the league as a coaching staff. And, and I think Eric does a great job. They're, this defense is well-coordinated. They fly around, they're physical, um, and, and they, they get their money's worth on every play. And, and so we're going to have our hands full offensively. And then I think Matt and Scott do a great job with the offense. They, they, they move the ball well. I mean, you know, it was a tough outcome to the game Saturday for them, but you can just see, you know, they, they had Oklahoma on the ropes and, and, and had every opportunity to win that game, one-score game. Same thing with Illinois was a one-score game. Same thing last week with Michigan State, a one-score game. So, uh, you know, this team, you know, I, I know everybody wants every game to be won, but I, I think this is a, an incredibly improved Nebraska team that is playing at a very, very high level right now. So we got to have our best week of prep. Uh, we get to go play in one of the cathedrals of college football, Memorial Stadium, and one of the uh, you know, best fan environments that there is in the country. So we'll, we'll have to have a great week of prep and take us with take it with us to Lincoln. So That's Northwestern head coach Pat Fitzgerald speaking this week, heaping praise on the Huskers. Depending on how you came out of the Michigan State game, you either love or hate to see it. But Fitzgerald is a man who knows a thing or two about close games. Since Nebraska joined the Big Ten in 2011, Fitzgerald is 27-20 and 20 in one-score games. That's 37% of all the games he's coached over that span. It includes 8 of 10 games against Nebraska that have been decided by one score or less. All three of Nebraska's losses, same category. Scott Frost is 5-15 in such games. 54% of his career games at Nebraska have been close ones. It's an extraordinary total. But that's all well-covered ground at this point. This is an important game in an important time for Nebraska football. What do you see right now when you look at the Huskers? Is it a two and three team plagued by the same old mistakes? Or is it something closer to what Pat Fitzgerald sees? You're listening to the ID Preview Podcast, Huskers Wildcats edition. I'm Hale Varsity Managing Editor Brandon Vogel. Let's talk some football. We'll start this conversation with what the pros see. When it comes to handicapping and the power ratings that produce point spreads, they don't have much of a memory. They're based on previous results, sure, but only to the degree that it helps explain what's most likely to happen in the future. Nebraska right now is getting credit for being something closer to a 4-1 and team than the 2-3 and team it is. The Huskers opened as an 8-point favorite at Circa Sports on Sunday of this, this game week. By midweek, it was up to... Minus 12, which is a pretty sizable jump. That does put the line closer, however, to what two of the power rankings we look at each week would have this game. SP Plus from ESPN uh, gives Nebraska a rating of 8.2 points, 
better than the average college football team. Northwestern, meanwhile, is minus 1.9. That's 47th for the Huskers and 82nd for Northwestern. And that provides a projected line of Nebraska minus 12 and a half. FPI, also from ESPN, is, is pretty close, though the rankings differ quite a bit between those two systems. It has the Huskers with a rating of 7.9, uh, 26th nationally, one spot ahead of Wisconsin, though they're actually tied in terms of team rating at this point. Northwestern, meanwhile, is dead even, 0.0. So you can look at that as they are the average college football team at this particular moment. Uh, that would project to, once you factor in, two and a half points for home field, project to a line of Nebraska minus 10 and a half. Want even more data than that? Thepredictiontracker.com compiles nearly 60 projections each week. It had an average line of Nebraska minus 9.8, so call it 10, with a straight up win probability of 72%. Uh, if you're thinking about taking Nebraska on the money line here, they're currently minus 475, or at least were at midweek. Uh, you're paying for a 82% win probability there. That's what you'd need to. That's how often Nebraska would have to win that game outright for that bet to break even. One last angle here. This is going to be the largest crowd Northwestern's played in front of since it last visited Lincoln in 2019. Last year, obviously, no fans or, or very limited fans throughout the country. But then this year, Northwestern's had three home games. They were about 30 to 33,000 fans at those. Uh, it's one road trip so far was to Duke, uh, a 30-23 loss. That was 27 to nothing at halftime. That was listed as in front of 12,300 fans. It looked far less than that uh, on TV. Pat Fitzgerald, one of the great things about him um, over the course of a decade covering the Big Ten and Nebraska, of course, but also all of the coaches that have come through there is he's he's a football guy first and foremost, but he also shoots you pretty straight during his press conference this week. Uh, he said flat out the atmosphere at Duke sucked. So and it, it definitely looked that way on TV. So I, I do think there's a chance Nebraska's had a very odd schedule for its its history with three road games so far in, in the first five. It feels like it's been forever, even though it's only been a couple of weeks since the Huskers last played at home. And I think you'll see and feel and hear that um, on Saturday night, how the game starts, which has been a consistent kind of issue for Nebraska so far this season, obviously can influence that. But I expect a pretty lively crowd that is through all of the kind of back and forth that another close loss is prompted this week. Uh, that's there to do what it can to to help Nebraska get over the hump, I guess, as many players and coaches have taken to put it. Dive into Northwestern here with a look at three key players for this game. The Wildcats are 2-2 two and two and sort of interesting way to get there. They've beaten Indiana State and beaten Ohio and beat those two teams completely and utterly. Like there was very little doubt Um when looking through the box scores, there was nothing too wonky about either of those. They were complete wins, two losses to Michigan or Michigan State, and then Duke. Despite that Duke game getting metaphorically close in in the second half, I mean Northwestern only ended up losing by seven. But 
like I said, the Blue Devils jumped out to a pretty big halftime lead and were in control throughout. Uh, the two losses for the Wildcats at this point were pretty complete and utter as well. So that's where they come in um, in terms of we knew, or at least you could pr- fairly project, this was a Northwestern team that lost a lot from last season. One key guy that they didn't lose, safety Brandon Joseph. He was a first-team All-American as a redshirt freshman last year. Um, that was basically across the board uh, with all of the various All-America teams that are out there. He could be a first-round pick. Right now, he's kind of projecting as if he were to come out this year. This is his third season in college. Um, project as kind of fringe first-round, second-round pick. But either way you cut it, he's probably the best field, best player on the field either way on Saturday. He only has one interception this year and no pass breakups, which is a pretty good indication of the respect that he earned after a blockbuster 2020. He ranks third on the team in tackles. So we'll see how, how much Nebraska tries to work around him because he's the type of player that you kind of need to work around. Second on the list of of three key guys for the Wildcats running back, Evan Hull, (laughs) Northwestern lost its two primary rushers via transfer from last season over the off season. Then their projected starter was lost due to injury in fall camp in steps Evan Hull, who is the Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week for this past week, rushed for 216 yards and two touchdowns in the win over Ohio. He's averaging 7.6 yards per, per carry, and he's, he's a pretty consistent big play threat. He's never really been, prior to this year, Northwestern's go-to guy, but over playing portions of the past three seasons, his rushing average is always over six yards. So you got to be aware of him. Nebraska did a really good job last week against a guy who came in as a huge threat in the, the backfield, and they'll probably need to do a bit of that again against the Wildcats. Last for the purple NU, I went with defensive lineman Jeremy Miser. Uh, he's an old Dominion transfer, but he's from Cincinnati. And it it feels like he's a guy who should have just been at Northwestern out of high school. Um, He just kind of makes plays and is there and is a factor. Uh, Leads the team with five tackles for loss so far this year, which includes three sacks. That has obviously been a big, big issue for the Huskers, particularly over the last two games. So he's, he's one to watch in terms of likely suspects to be wreaking a little bit of havoc in Nebraska's backfield. We'll flip to that side for, for Nebraska. And honestly, this was kind of a, a tough game for, for me to identify these, these three players. And I'm going with the three that I did for a specific reason, two on defense, Ben Stilley and Jojo Doman defense playing pretty lights out um, from a bottom line perspective, but you're starting to see a little bit of, I think, pain or consternation. I don't know what the best word for it is on some of these super seniors faces. Uh, and, and Doman is certainly in that category here as well. Got to give credit to these guys for continuing to go up there after three same old story type losses this year and trying to come up with new answers. I don't know that there are new answers necessarily, but it's just, it's, it's tough for guys to play better than they have been in the case of Stilly and Doman in particular, but it's almost like, well, you've come this far. You came back for this year 
to, to try and flip these kind of games. And it hasn't happened yet, but there's still a good portion of the season remaining. So is, is there something extra there? And it may not even be, you know, another tackle or another tackle for loss or, or anything of that nature. It could be just holding somebody even more accountable. And I know they're trying to do that and they're, they're doing everything they know how to do. But given their experience and, and given the level they're at, they're probably the most like, likely suspects to even take it up another notch, even if there's not a lot of ceiling there. And I'd put my third player to watch for Nebraska in that same category. He's not a senior, but he is a captain. Tight end Austin Allen. Nebraska missed him a couple of times on Michigan State. And when you get in these close games like that, just one or two more of those plays might end up being what makes the difference. It might allow you to survive a wayward punt. It might prevent you from even having to make or take the chance at a, at a wayward punt. So Austin's Allen's a guy where you consistently see the effort and the ability. Nebraska needs to get him a little bit more involved. Flip the page back to Michigan state last week and just how that game unfolded, what we talked about on this show going into that one. The first key for for that game for me was to for Nebraska's defense to limit big plays in the run game. That was an emphatic check. Michigan State had an 11% explosive rush rate. Kenneth Walker to the third was limited to 3.2 yards per carry. He entered averaging better than eight. And he gave up some big plays in the passing game. Maybe break one of those up. Again, the margins here are so super thin, but in terms of primary objectives for going to East Lansing and giving yourself a shot to win. Nebraska did a great job against the run. Second key for me last week was, was for the Huskers to hit some big plays in the passing game. That's a check, but maybe not the, the bold face type check that, that the rush defense was Michigan state did a pretty good job of, of tamping things down from, from Nebraska's explosive pass rate entering that game. Nebraska was still at 16% which is a little bit above average to about average. Uh, and again, you hit another one of those. Uh, there was plenty of talk post game about the first play in overtime being the potential for an explosive passing play that could have made a pretty big difference. All things considered though, Nebraska, I think without the ability to run the ball, which is specifically why we focused on what it could achieve in the passing game did a decent enough job to, to come out of there with a win. It didn't because of, well, it's tough to ever say any one thing wins or loses a football game. But the third key last week was, was special teams. And aside from punting poorly all night, Nebraska had one catastrophic failure there. And, and that was enough. And who knows how long things like things like that keep going. Um, the best way to avoid them is to, well, literally avoid them. I I thought a lot about the third and four play right before that punt that ended up tying the game. And, you know, Nebraska is not able to run the football consistently. It can pass there or it can do what it does a lot of the time and put the ball in Adrian Martinez's hands with a designed quarterback run. That's what it did. I looked it up, uh, pulled through all the, the play-by-play data. 
because I was just curious what the what the expected success rate would be for Adrian Martinez run on anything between third and three and third and five over his career. And I mean, the sample sizes here are pretty small. We're talking about like maybe 25 total plays. Uh, he picks that up about 65% of the time. And Michigan State made an excellent play, really owned Nebraska on the offensive line and, and made an ankle tackle on him, led to the punt, didn't execute the punt. And here we are talking about two and three Nebraska instead of three and two. What are the keys for the game this week? We'll get into that in the second half. But first, here's Rusty Dawkins with your weather forecast for Saturday night. Be sure to follow Rusty at Husker Weather on Twitter and check HaleVarsity.com throughout the week for updates. Hi, everyone. I'm meteorologist Rusty Dawkins for Hale Varsity, and this is the I-80 preview podcast forecast for the Huskers versus Northwestern. And we've got a fall-like day on our hands. Temperatures are going to be on the cooler side. I think by kickoff, we'll see temperatures in the upper 60s with a chance, just a small chance at a thunderstorm or two. Otherwise, light rain showers and mostly cloudy skies. A northeast wind, not much, 5 to 15 miles per hour. By the half, we'll see temperatures dropping into the middle 60s and uh, light showers on and off, otherwise mostly cloudy and a northeast wind of 5 to 15 miles per hour. And then by the end of the game, as we get towards 10 o'clock, I think temperatures will drop into the upper 50s and lower 60s. Again, a chance for some showers on and off, otherwise mostly cloudy skies, and that northeast wind at 5 to 15 miles per hour. I'm meteorologist Rusty Dawkins for Hale Varsity, and I'll have updates on all of my social channels. That's uh, Husker Weather on Facebook and Twitter, as well as Rusty WX, and of course Hale Varsity, and all of their social media channels as well. Go Big Red! So how does Nebraska win Saturday night against Northwestern? My first key for this game is the Huskers need to keep Northwestern's offense off schedule. That's always a good way to win a game, but here it's pretty essential. Northwestern has never really been much of an offensive juggernaut under, under Pat Fitzgerald. And, and that's fine. That's not the way that they're built. They'd obviously take it if they could get it, but it's just not consistently who they've been. But this is a young offense still trying to figure things out at quarterback mentioned probably lost three guys who could have started for it at, at running back and, and running back still producing at a pretty good, at a pretty high level anyway. But you factor all of that stuff in and Northwestern's in a spot right now where it has to do about everything it can scheme wise to get its run game going because it doesn't want the onus to fall on on the passing game. Fitzgerald joked during his press conference that he's, he's more than happy to, to run power. eye or uh, some triple option this week. If he has to, I think he was joking. And I think that was sort of a, a nod to, to Nebraska's past, which I appreciated. But point is against Ohio, Northwestern was able to, to run the ball at will against Indiana state. You should be able to run the ball at will. And, and those are the two wins. They're, they're the two games where you, you could have reasonably expected the Wildcats to do that. And they did it. And, you know, it's still a very well coached and sound team. Nebraska needs to keep them off schedule to kind of force them out of that. So the more you can put Northwestern in passing downs, the more you do put that onus on the quarterback. Um, and Nebraska has been really good at limiting explosive plays this year. In fact, it's probably the primary trait of this this defense at the moment. So even if Northwestern tries to, you know, is in second and eight or third and seven, 
And, you know, you got to be cognizant, of course, of swing passes, things to the perimeter, uh, because just dropping back and, and asking a quarterback to go through the progression has been difficult for them because they're so far through four games, you wouldn't say they have the primary answer that they need at quarterback. Hunter Johnson, the five-star signee from for Clemson, who, who transferred to Northwestern three seasons ago, won that job out of fall camp, but that didn't go well. Just like the first time he got a shot at that job didn't go well. For his Northwestern career so far, his yards per pass attempt are alarmingly low. He's got five touchdowns to eight interceptions. Last week against Ohio, a South Carolina transfer, um, so they've got quite the Palmetto State battle going on there behind center in, in, in Evanston. Uh, Ryan Holinsky got the start against Ohio, and he was fine. 12 for 20, no touchdowns, no interceptions. When Northwestern's able to run the ball like that, doesn't much matter. So Nebraska needs to keep Northwestern on schedule for that reason. But there's also this. As good as Nebraska's defense has been so far, its success rate doesn't quite match the bottom line point total it's been giving up. And that's totally fine because the only thing that matters in the game when you get to the end of it are are points. But you you try to project this thing forward. Nebraska currently ranks 95th in defensive success rate at at 45.2%. The six teams closest to it in, in, in that category are all giving up at least a touchdown more than Nebraska is right now. And that likely means one of two things. Either Nebraska's points allowed are going to go up to more closely reflect how often they're letting opposing offenses stay on schedule, or that success rate is going to come down to more closely represent the amount of points Nebraska is actually giving up. I guess there's a third thing here, and it's probably the most likely one, which is both numbers kind of go towards the, the mean. Um, but that's okay. Like, like I said, Nebraska at this point, you know, it could even give up a few more points a game. Um, and it might end up being a little bit better off. And I'm talking about like one or two or three points here, uh, being better off. It was just keeping teams off schedule more. That would be a more consistent, I guess, defensive approach, not defensive approach, it'd be a more consistent unfolding of the game. Cause I look at Nebraska's numbers now defensively, a lot of them are very good. Um, but it's also something that doesn't add up totally. So for this game in particular, I'm going to, I'm going to put out a pretty ambitious number for, for Nebraska. Uh, they've gotten there twice this season. Uh, and both of them have been in wins granted Fordham Buffalo, but still 40%. If Nebraska holds Northwestern's offense to under 40% success rate, which means it would be off schedule or in passing downs 60% of the time, uh, it would be hard for me to see the Huskers not coming away with a win on Saturday. But we also need to consider the offense. Um, Probably, well, not probably, outside of special teams, certainly the, the group that has the most ground to make up second key for me for, for Saturday is going to be, can, can Nebraska hit for an explosive rusher two outside of Adrian Martinez? And it, I really think the impact of just one or two from a running back or get one of those options to, to a wide receiver, get one or two more of those, you know, that go for 10, 12, 14, or 
anything beyond that, uh, just gravy. Can, can they get some of those? Because no- Northwestern's never going to fall too far as, as a defense. Fitzgerald's just too good, and he's been doing this too long. They lost a ton on that side of the ball entering 2021. And they lost Mike Hangwitz, their longtime defensive coordinator, who is is one of the most respected minds in football. So there was a lot stacked against Northwestern entering this year. They were just going to be young. They were going to be inexperienced. And early on, certainly in that season opener against Michigan State, it looked that way. First half against Duke looked that way. But this group is still through all four games considered pretty good on the explosive play front. Uh, explosive play rate allowed is, is 13.9% for Northwestern. It's better than average, but it's a little off the Wildcats' typical pace. You know, this is a defense that when it's really going like it was in 2020, would be down around 10%, uh, which is really just putting a cap on things. And we'll get a little bit more into that with with the third key. But when you look at this game, Nebraska, Northwestern, and both sides of it, the strength on strength matchup here is, is Northwestern's ability to, to limit big passes in particular. Nebraska so far, that's been its best trait as, as an offense. Northwestern enters the game at 12.2% on, on those explosive passes. Nebraska is at 20.8% for its offense. You can expect those probably to come down both or, or go up in case of Northwestern, come down a little bit in case of Nebraska, meet in the middle, so to speak. So the biggest opportunity, I think, for Nebraska to to gain ground here offensively might be the most literal interpretation. Can they hit for the, some of those explosive plays? Scott Frost continues to mention how much just a couple of crease runs would change this offense. And I mean, there's a reason for that. It, the offense is kind of constructed to, to really hurt teams that way through the run game. We also could see some, some offensive line changes uh, on Saturday. In the week leading up to this, this game, uh, the coaches were, were pretty open about trying out some, some different combos. We'll see what actually happens on Saturday. Whatever the right combination is, the easiest way for this game to look like the game that's currently projected for Nebraska, and that's a, a double-digit win, is for Nebraska to rip off a few of those big runs. Who's going to get them? That's the mystery. Ramir Johnson, so for, for these purposes, and really for the ease of calculation, you know, on a national basis, I always use 10 plus yards, 12 plus yards is probably better. Um, but it's, it's close enough for me to, to call it a wash. So runs of 10 plus yards so far this season, Ramir Johnson, who has been Nebraska's kind of go-to back the starter, so to speak, uh, against Oklahoma and Michigan state has two such rushes this season. Marquise step, the USC transfer has three. Savian Morrison has zero. Gabe Irvin, who is not available following injury, had five before he got hurt. So that's kind of the glaring thing here is can Nebraska get some of those runs? And it's not just a running back thing, of course. We've seen what the offensive line has looked like. They need help up there. Um, but it's a, a multi, multi-variable equation there in that, okay, 
the O-line needs to get, get, get on blocks better and maintain blocks better when they do, which they have at times, uh, running backs got to see things a little bit better. So you're trying to get a little bit of improvement on both fronts there. Nebraska, of course, will will take explosive runs from from Adrian Martinez. Uh, nobody's in the business of turning down explosive plays from from anywhere. And Pat Fitzgerald, like every coach, uh, speaking about playing Nebraska, talked about how dangerous he is this week. Um, it's just Martinez is playing at a really really high level now. We still see, you know, there was there was a fumble against Michigan State. There are a couple missed throws. You know, there's, there's still the other things that are out there, but really to, to this point, he's, he's been really, really good for Nebraska. And that's consistently the, the read on him that other coaches see. Um, he's a player you have to account for. You can account for him and do everything right. Uh, and he can still make you look a little bit silly. And he's done that already on a handful of occasions. Nebraska will still get get some of its plays through the passing game, of course. In fact, it, I mean, it's probably fair to expect them to get more that way. It's the most consistent part of, of the attack at this point. But for the overall health of Nebraska's offense, not just in this game, though certainly that, but also going forward, seeing a few more of these plays, these type of big plays happen on the ground would do wonders. I think it's the shortest path between a game that starts 0-0 and a game that ends somewhere closer to what the line forecasts. Third key this week, Nebraska shouldn't be afraid to play the long game. Typically, this is what Northwestern excels at doing. They put out a defense that year after year limits big plays. You make offenses drive the ball and you count on your ability to out-execute your opponent. And it's been a winning formula for the Wildcats. This approach, five play scoring drives are killer. 10 or 11 play drives, you'll tip your hat to the uh, opposing offensive coordinator and live with that. Because most of the time, teams aren't going to go 10 or 11 plays, much less longer than that. The reality of you know college offenses is something will happen before that. And what's it's been a bit of a change for Nebraska offensively in 2021. It's more deliberate right now, which has been an interesting thing to watch develop. From 2018 through 2020, so the first three seasons of the Frost era, average Nebraska scoring drive took 7.7 plays. This year, it's 8.3, which is probably some mix of intentional and unintentional, I'm guessing. Nebraska's only hitting big plays through the passing game, as we as we discussed. That's the unintentional part of this. But it also went into that Oklahoma game hoping to slow things down. Scott Frost said it in, in the postgame press conference. Through five games this year, Nebraska's averaging 52% of possession. That's based on possession time. It hadn't been higher than 48% over the, the first three years of the Frost era. So some of this, I think, is what they have to do based on the current limitations of the offense. But I think some of it's also knowing they have a great defense and, and seeing what gives them the best chance to win. That offense is not a well-oiled machine at this point, but it might be better suited than past versions for the type of game Northwestern typically tries to play. And I think that's true for when you flip this around. Northwestern's offense, meanwhile, 
it's trending ever so slightly the the other way from from 2018 to 2020. So the same span we looked at for Nebraska. Northwestern's average scoring drive required 8.6 plays. That's the longest. That was the longest in the Big Ten from a plays perspective. This year, through four games, it's down to 8.3. That's a small difference over a still small sample size. But I think it hints at something you can see elsewhere in the numbers, which is Northwestern right now, still very much trying to figure things out offensively, is is more reliant on on big plays than it than it has been, and it needs those big plays to kind of make up for the defense coming back to the pack a little bit, which was totally expected based on their experience level returning. It's it's sort of strange to look at a Nebraska Northwestern game like this. And since Nebraska's joined the Big Ten, that series is tied 5-5. Total scoring differential between those teams is Nebraska plus seven. You know, it's been close. It's been tough. It's been they've been great games to watch. Um, I don't know if there's one prior to this where you said Nebraska might be better suited for a march the ball down the field type of game. But right now, I think they might be. To wrap this up this week, let's go back to the beginning and and Pat Fitzgerald. And again, when you look at Nebraska, what do you see? Is it the the same Nebraska the past two, three years plagued by the same mistakes? Or is it isn't is it is it a Nebraska team that, as Fitzgerald said, looks vastly improved? I personally fall on, on the latter side of that. I think right now, and this is kind of the amazing thing, even with the lack of much run game, even with truly atrocious from a kind of points, expected points or actual points off the board perspective, truly atrocious special teams, this is, I, I think, without much question, in my mind at least, the best Nebraska team of the Scott Frost era. The remaining question is, does it show up on the field? And the Huskers have a really great opportunity to start rewriting the 2021 narrative on, on Saturday night. As we talked about, home game, night game, homecoming should be a raucous atmosphere, um, barring some bizarreness at the start that somehow takes the crowd out of it. Uh, I think it'll remain that way for 60 minutes. It's a good opportunity for the Huskers to get some of that proof of concept that they're still lacking at this point. And I, I expect them to play really well. I know the history between Nebraska and Northwestern. I have the utmost respect for Pat Fitzgerald and the staff and what the Wildcats do year in and year out. You know, they're a really interesting team to look at from the sort of 30,000 foot view. Uh, Mentioned that Fitzgerald's 27 and 20 in those, those one score games over the past decade, you'd expect any coach to, to be about 500 in there. Kirk Ferentz has played even more of those one score games over that stretch. And he's one game below 500 for as good as Iowa has been for most of the duration of Nebraska's time in the big 10. And then, you know, there was a four and eight season in there. There were a couple of sub 500 seasons, but really the Hawkeyes have, have been well, as, as solid as you've come to expect. Parents is 27 and 28 in, in one score games. And Iowa plays more one score games than even Northwestern does. That's, that's 42%. Well, basically call it 43, it's 42.9. 
43% of, of Iowa's games over the past decade have been decided by one score or less. Scott Frost, we know, is 5 and 15 in those games. But the amazing thing there is that that 54% is just how many have been there. And that speaks to me of a team that is very much still trying to figure out how to make all of these pieces come together. And you're, you're racing against the clock at this point, halfway through, almost halfway through your, your fourth season. That's just reasonable. Um, and that's, that's fair to expect, but the number of those that have not gone Nebraska's way remains improbable. Um, no matter who the coach is, no matter what team it is, no matter what talent level is, I would look at that and it could be Prairie View A&M. I'd say, well, Prairie View A&M should probably, well, one is probably better than its record shows. And two, the record should eventually rise up to be something closer to what you would reasonably expect. But in football, you're always dealing with small sample sizes. This week, we're dealing with a sample size of one game. And like I said, Northwestern, the effort's going to be there. The scheme's going to be there. The talent is very young at this point. I expect Nebraska to play pretty well. The number, we'll see. What, midweek, it had gone up to a, at minus 12, to jump four points from, from minus eight was, was pretty significant. Like I knew Nebraska would be supported on the, uh, on, on the betting line. And I really only look at that as a way to kind of judge how people are feeling about a team, um, which includes the kind of baseline that's set each Sunday when that comes out, I would expect Nebraska to, to get pretty close to that. I mean, I think that's the realistic difference between those teams. And when presented with your two and three, which I understand is the only reality that matters versus trying to project what hasn't happened yet. I'm much closer to, to Nebraska at four and one than I am Nebraska at two and three. That said, until you see it start happening um, and producing the results that actually matter, it's tough to totally trust that. Good thing there's a game on Saturday. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, um, you know the spiel at this point. Do your podcast chores. Um, subscribe. Give it a rating. Tell a friend. Tell an enemy. Check out the full roster of Hale Varsity podcasts on the Hale Varsity Network. A lot of good stuff each and every game week. Um, and a lot of good stuff even outside of football season, of course. Um, we're kind of covering Husker athletics. Snout to tail, or at least that's what we aim to do. And we've got a lot of different formats to do that. So if you're not a subscriber to Hale Varsity, check that out. Monthly issues. And you get access to all of our premium content online. Talk to you next week. A Huda Media Production.